0: Welcome to the International Association of Business Communicators Amina Region podcast. This is Monique Zidnik. With me today, I have Candy Guantai, who is incredibly inspiring. She's an award winning corporate communications and public relations academic and lecturer at Leeds University Business School and freshly elected IABC Amina Region Chair. She's Recipient of the Dean's Award for Teaching Excellence, and over and above her teaching, she's involved in so many different areas of equality, diversity, and inclusion initiatives. She represents the University of Leeds on the Chartered Association for Business Schools Race Equality Working Group, where she serves as Vice Chair. Candy, welcome so much. And I've been wanting to have this conversation with you for so long. Thank you for having me. Also, huge congratulations on your new role as the chair of the IOBC Amina Board. What are your thoughts and your focuses for the year to come?
1: So thank you very much for that question. And it is definitely an honour to be um, chair of IOBC Amina Region. And I'm really excited to work with yourself and the rest of the board. So we did a little bit of a survey where we found what we were trying to figure out what our members wanted and we have gone a long way in delivering value to our members but one aspect that I'm passionate about that we have started working on and I want to continue growing that in the new year is professional development so we want to make sure that we give our members an opportunity to develop their skills to also exchange ideas and collaborate we've got a fantastic region Europe Middle East and North Africa Africa, there is diversity of practice, diversity of thought, diversity of experience. How do we harness all of that to try and enrich our membership?
0: I'm really keen to delve into the sense of belonging, Candy, and talking about that with you. It's one of the topics that's come up with my clients over the past couple of months. It's one of those things that has obviously come out of the inclusion, diversity and equality conversations that have been going around, particularly in the last year how would you define sense of belonging
1: right now that's a very big question because um there are different ways that we would look at sense of belonging and actually it depends on whether you're looking at it from an academic perspective or from a non-academic perspective. So everybody wants to feel that they belong in the spaces where they live and work and they want to feel that they are accepted for who they are. So sense of belonging is closely aligned to authenticity and it's you feeling that you can trust yourself to entrust others around you to take you the way you choose to present yourself that you don't have to hide aspects of yourself or compromise the self for you to be successful within a certain space so then sense of belonging goes beyond being in a group you know, being part of a group. It goes beyond that. It speaks to your being seen, to your contribution, being valued, to not just space being made for you, but for you being allowed to join the group and choose how you want to show up and how you want to occupy that space. So sense of belonging for me is really interesting because it's. I feel it's the next step forward from inclusion. Inclusion is great. It's amazing. We all want to feel included and part of. But the problem with inclusion is that it can sometimes be limited to the includer deciding for you how much space they will make for you and what they will allow you to do within that space. So what it doesn't do is change the fundamental power dynamics between the excluded and those who was, the one who was excluding or the excluder who is now the includer. Sense of belonging says, hey, come here. It's fine. Come in. You know, you've knocked on the door. Come on in. Okay, you want us to change the decor? Let's have a conversation about that. Let's see what needs to change. Let's see what needs to shift so that this can work for our mutual benefit. So it does not mean that that person who's coming in now has got to necessarily change everything to their benefit and then you have... Um, the same you know a reversal you know that's not what we're talking about we're saying to for the mutual benefit of everybody so that identifies me and allows me to be me and to take up that space and in a way that doesn't make you feel threatened my existence is not a threat a threat to your existence so I can thrive and you can thrive in this space so now We have a fear-based model where we feel that if we include people, they threaten our sense of being instead of seeing that they actually add something of value to us. One may have a sense of belonging inherently unto themselves, but the structures that be can undermine their sense of belonging. So when I come into this space, I don't have any doubt. I'm not worried about who I am. I'm being authentic, but then I am attacked. And then my authenticity becomes a punishment. So i like to give an example about um, when I came to the, to the United Kingdom. I grew up in Africa until the age of 26. And when I came here, I had never had to think of myself as black. It's not something I thought about. I mean, I'm not saying that there is no racism in Africa on the contrary there are isms everywhere in the world but I was a majority and I and also the way we are culturally we I don't remember really talking about people based on their color on the color of their skin we talked about people based on where they came from and yes of course we did have certain you know ideas and thoughts about whatever you know generalizations about people but we talked about where people came from. So I never had to think about myself as black. And then I came to this country and I had to think of myself as black. So I did not come questioning my right to be here. I never thought, oh, I'm in, I'm in the United Kingdom. And oh my goodness, I, I don't have a right to be here. Maybe I should. I, I never really doubted myself. I didn't have that. That I, I didn't feel like I didn't belong. I came to Yorkshire. Lots of places in the countryside in Yorkshire looked like the countryside on the Kenya Highlands, I felt very welcome, I felt very at home, people were quite nice to me, generally, overall. But then, slowly but surely, that started to be undermined because of the things that people would say or the things that would happen around me. So my sense of belonging started to be undermined. So for me, this work is about us critically looking at those, the ways in which we undermine other people's sense of belonging. The other thing also about diversity and inclusion is that we talk a lot about protected characteristics, race, religion, disability, sexual orientation. But sometimes we forget that people may not have a protected characteristic, but they can still feel that their sense of belonging is undermined. So how do we make sure we have a human approach to the issue of exclusion rather than a silo approach that doesn't even sometimes take it doesn't take into consideration or enough consideration the areas of intersectionality. And that is what excites me about sense of belonging. There's still a lot of work to be done. And definitely we are learning a lot. It's a building on from diversity and inclusion and equity. So it's just a, a taking the conversation to the next level. It's not a replacement. And neither is it to say that all the work that has been done so far has been wrong or is not important. It's taking everything into consideration.
0: Now, you mentioned a term there that I've, I've heard so many definitions for, authenticity. When we talk about authenticity, how do you define it and in this context and how would you put that also in sort of some examples, maybe of leadership or of any employee coming into work, so in the workplace?
1: So I like the definition by Brene Brown. I don't know if you've heard of Brene Brown. She is amazing and she's done a lot of work uh, in this area of authenticity. So she says that authenticity is a daily practice of letting go of who we think we are supposed to be and embracing who we are. You see, in life what we do is that we wear, the, we create a self that is like a cloak. You know that we wear and it protects us okay so when i show up in a certain way and people don't like me it isn't me they don't like it's the cloak that i am wearing that day which i can change right and then they might then like me or accept me authenticity means that i must step into my vulnerability so the two go together vulnerability and authenticity why because then when I step into myself and somebody doesn't like me, it is really me they don't like. It isn't the persona that I am putting forth that they don't like. So authenticity then becomes one of those areas that we we as human beings, generally speaking, struggle with because of the vulnerability aspect of it. Our culture also, mother culture, shows vulnerability to be something that is a weakness, not something desired. So we don't, we shouldn't be vulnerable. We shouldn't cry. We shouldn't show our emotions. We shouldn't, you know, so, but Brené Brown sort of challenges us and says vulnerability, vulnerability is strength. And actually the more vulnerable you are, the more authentic you are and the more people resonate with that, the easier it is for you to build trust, and to be a great leader by st- by stepping into your vulnerability. From an, an organizational perspective, I remember there was something that was written, I can't find it right now, um, about authenticity. And it was something about authentic organizations and that, in, in the space that we are in now, this is going to be authentic enterprise is going to be the way we do business successfully. You've got to be authentic. And we've seen in comms organizations that have been inauthentic. We've seen the cost. We have seen the VWs saying one thing and doing another. We've seen the cost of that and we know at the end of the day it's not about getting it right all the time but it is being vulnerable enough to even acknowledge when you have got it wrong. And we are re- we know that when you acknowledge when you've got it wrong people normally do give you the opportunity to make it right don't they? So that's how I see authenticity and yeah that's a very long-winded way of saying it but I hope it makes sense.
0: I just wanted to pick up on your comment about authentic enterprises. I I mean, authenticity and vulnerability are very much human qualities. Would it be from the CEO or the leadership or the top or how would these human qualities come through in an enterprise or an organization which quite often is focused on profit?
1: Right. Okay. First, I have found the the quote. So I will read out that quote about authentic enterprise and it's by Arthur W. Page and it says, in a word, authenticity will be the coin of the realm for successful corporations and for those who lead them. How does that show up in authentic uh, leadership? An example, I am reminded of the CEO of Starbucks, um, Howard Schultz, I think 2013 and he was talking about supporting gay marriage and you know the whole inclusion that inclusion piece from that perspective and he said that in my organization we are going to make sure that all married people regardless of their sexual orientation receive the same benefits because as you know in a lot of organizations uh, heterosexual couples receive benefits that gay couples do not and he said no i am going to make sure that everybody does now he had there were some calls for boycotts from some of the shareholders and they said hey we don't like this and in any case since when as a ceo did it become your job to take the moral high ground or to speak morally for us that is not your job you know that's not why you are the ceo but he stood his ground he had to show up as an authentic leader. Now he could have said, "Oh, okay, some some of my my uh, my shareholders don't like what I'm doing. I'm gonna back down, or oh, let's go and discuss it. Let's go and talk about it. We'll come back to you." But no, he stuck his ground, and he said, "Listen, not every decision is an economic decision," is what he said. And he said to the shareholder who uh, decided to bring this to his attention, he said, "You know what? You have you don't have." to invest with us. Feel free to take your money elsewhere. But this is our stance. So this was him showing up as an authentic leader and uh, leading authentically. And what happened is that we saw that the share price went up rather than down. People were really happy and, and, and supportive of the decision that he made. Sometimes it's when an organization has done something wrong and they are able to stand up and say we got it wrong let's look at toyota for instance when they had the sticking pedal crisis now we know there were many other mistakes that they make i am not made and i'm not saying you know um that they eventually got everything right but at that very moment when they were told listen something has happened the ceo did not say oh but you know it is because he did not explain anything away he said we've lost our way we are at a crossroads now we need to stop and remind ourselves who we are. What about Tylenol? They had the credo, isn't it? And their credo said, the most important stakeholder to us is our customers. That's who That is who we should protect. So when they had the Tylenol case where they had the tablets laced with cyanide and all of that, they pulled, they went from, I think, was it 34% market share to zero overnight. They did that which was right by the client because that's what their credo said. They did not say, oh, "Okay, you know, mm, uh, well, we know that's what our credo says." But you know, now zero percent market share. It's, they did not make that economic decision. They made an authentic decision. They took care of their customers. And when they came back, I think they grew their by about ten or more percent. They grew their market share when they reintroduced style and all. So I think that is for me what authenticity looks like in terms of leadership.
0: But for a authentic enterprise, yeah. those human qualities, do they need to be brought to life through leadership and through leadership communication? Or is, it, is there another, are there other angles and aspects to this that a communicator should be considering and thinking of?
1: I think the way I see it, enterprises are made up of human beings. They are not inanimate objects. Um, they do not, um, they they don't exist separate from us. We decide for ourselves what kind of people we are and how we are going to show up and that becomes how our enterprise um, culture is. So we decide for ourselves what culture we want to uphold. So I think it's not just from a leadership perspective, but I think leaders make a huge, huge difference because people are looking up to them. Um, to see how they conduct themselves. It is very difficult to have an authentic enterprise and an inauthentic leader. So the top, definitely you need to get that right. But at the same time, the communication is important. It's how we frame that which we are doing, how we frame every decision, how we look, for, you know, looking for authenticity in each and every one of those things that we do and bringing it forth and celebrating it, celebrating diversity. Diversity isn't a difference because then we say, how am I different from you? How are we rewarding People who dare to step out of their shell or who dare to step to step up into their authenticity. Because sometimes authenticity is punished. Why? When you don't look like the powers that be, it compromises your chances for promotion. We know that. You know, if, if you um, don't look, sound like or whatever, then that may compromise you in one way or the other. People may refuse to deal with you because you look a certain way or you appear a certain way to them. But how do we, as uh, organizations, from the very, very little smallest of things, acknowledge that diversity and support it, and then allow people to bloom? For who they are not tell them that for you to be rewarded in this organization this is what you must do this is how you must show up of course i'm not saying let it be a free-for-all there has to be some kind of structure but within that structure how much regal room is there for people to be themselves so yes i think it is um something that an organization does within itself within its leadership um and communication is definitely at the heart of that
0: and obviously as a communicator we're in the position to be shaping the conversations and shaping the language that's used externally and internally within the organisation do you think there's a point where we can be too overly careful or too overly cautious and where do we draw yes. the line it it
1: can be it can be but i think again <laughs> it's giving space for people to to make sense of things where they are at so some people will say oh it's just semantic it isn't just semantic words do have meaning words do carry emotion and especially when you are trying to make sense of a situation in a language that is foreign to you. So those words can mean different things to different people and trigger different things in different people. And I think it is important to be aware of that. Whether then you should carry that all the time to a point where you cannot even speak for fear of saying the wrong thing, I think that then becomes unhealthy. If you step into space, especially if you're working in equality or equity, diversity and inclusion and sense of belonging, you will say the wrong thing. You will upset people, not because you mean to, but stepping into that space means that that's the risk you take. Now, I happen to be uh, of African heritage. I don't particularly like being called black. Okay, it's not something that I don't. I have the problem identifying as black because. I look at the skin of you know colour of my skin and I don't see that. I don't understand why you would call me black. But some people want to be called black and they really take a lot of pride in being called black. Um now when somebody comes and speaks to me and they say, Oh, black people, such and such and such and such, am I going to spend my time fixated on the fact that they used the word black or am i going to understand what it is that they are actually talking about once i engage with the argument we can then come back to oh you know by the way i prefer that i would prefer that you didn't call me black i you know if you must call me something just say i'm of african heritage i'm fine with that but i prefer not being called black but that is also not an assumption that everybody who looks like me has the same problem we are diverse we are different so ask the individual in front of you what they prefer if they don't like a certain thing but otherwise let's get on with the work because the work needs to be done the work needs to be done so i think as communicators we must be unafraid this world has changed and developed to where it is because people have got angry about stuff. And they have said they have expressed that anger in different ways. So I think let people allow people to sense make in the way that works for them. But whilst they are sense making, those of us who've been through the meal and to the other side and where we are no longer are sensitive about such things, let me let us get on with the prob, with, with, with the job of finding solutions because there are two ways you can approach life. You can be a problem solver or you can find solutions. So problem solver, you are reacting to external stimuli. Someone calls me black, I then do this. Someone calls me BAME, then I react a certain way. Constantly reacting to stuff and then saying, you know, I want this changed and I don't want you to call me that and I don't want you to do this and I don't. But it's all driven by your actions and my reaction to your actions. then once you get over all of that you go to what's the solution what's happening here really this is a question of exploitation this is a question of power dynamics how are we going to address this issue because once you address that once you find the solution the rest of it will fall away you know but there are people who still feel the hurt and the pain and their experiences such that they need to be on that journey we can't all be at the same level but the thing is who are we listening to so even within an organization is providing the spaces for the different conversations to happen at the different levels that they need to happen and then you as a leadership saying whilst we are providing the spaces for that to happen where is the change happening who's driving that change which conversation is driving that change is it the reaction conversation that is just problem solving or is it the solutions focused conversation for me you know i don't want to be called a color i don't want to be part of an acronym i'm human and that's it i shouldn't be a statistic how many people look like me in an organization it should be how many people have got a certain talent or skill set, regardless of what they look like. Why does somebody have to declare their sexual orientation on a piece of paper? What has that got to do with a job? You know, so thinking about how we get to that point, it's not going to be about pacifiers, but having difficult conversations um, about finding solutions. So yes, as communicators, I'm afraid, If one doesn't want to do that, I think they're in the wrong job.
0: Now, I'm very curious, (laughs) Candy. Some organisations have made um, controversial decisions to actually ban political discussion within their organisation. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that?
1: Human beings are political. Well, I used to hate politics. I can tell you that. Oh, my goodness. And then I realised... I think it's how we make sense of the world of, of the world. We come up with because what is politics really? Politics are frames that we apply to our situation and all the lenses that we wear should look at different situations. And then we start to go into frame competition. So my view of the world, vis-a-vis your view of the world. Um, and then sometimes we disagree, sometimes we agree. But in all of that conversation, magic happens and solutions are found. I think to ban politics or political conversation is to say to people, there is an aspect of your life fundamental to you that you must leave at the door before you enter this space yes if someone votes Brexit and the other one doesn't vote Brexit it's fine if we work in the same office because what we need to learn is to accommodate difference we don't have to agree we can't all be semi semi. we are not on some conveyor belt where we are trying to churn out people who think the same speak the same look the same What's the point in that? So it's alright for people to be different and it's alright for people to make other people uncomfortable. That's okay too. But what is not alright is then to take that and decide to use it to dehumanize or to exploit or whatever. That is what shouldn't happen. Where are you going to be without politics? Even that same organization operates in a political system. They operate in a political system. How dare they tell their employees not to be political? That's being inauthentic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so as, as communicators, Candy, how, how can we, do you have any tips on how we can best negate the political minefields, the challenges and the shifts and changes that are, that are coming up?
1: You mean globally
0: or what do you mean? From an organizational point of view. So if if we're an external communicator or an internal communicator for our organization, how can we ensure that we frame things authentically and also that we're using the right language? I love that quote, the limit of our language is the limit of our world. Can't remember who, can't remember where it came from but that that concept of holding the keys to the conversation how can we as communicators navigate this Mm -hmm. minefield in front of us whereas before it was okay let's be very boring and bland and go straight down the line and now you know having to bring in authenticity real people real views from our leaders let our employees have a voice, that's potentially quite a scary situation, I would say.
1: My old teacher, Rainbow Hawk, who taught me quite a few things about life and language and how we view the world. And he said that, he taught to me about, he talks to me about how thought our thought creates reality. So if you can't think it, it cannot come to fruition, right? So then language is what then makes us human because we have that linguistic expression and of course we have the non-verbal communication. But somehow even when we experience or express the non-verbal, we sort of verbalize it in some way as we are storing it. We are sort of saying, what is this? What do I call it? And how do do I categorize it? So then when you start to see that, you understand that The thoughts that we have and the language that we use, yes, does help to construct the reality in which we exist and it also does help to construct meaning, to give meaning to things. You know, you used the phrase, you said, how do we use the right or the correct language, right? There is no right or correct language. The only thing that is correct is the authenticity of the feeling or the thought that you are expressing. And what sometimes where the problem comes in especially when we become afraid that we are giving voice to to our employees is because we are in some vicious victim mentality cycle and we don't want to be attacked. We don't want them to say that we are wrong because we don't separate ourselves from our thoughts and our ideas. We don't create that space. So one thing Rainbow Hawk said to me when I started my journey with him, he said, "Candy, you have to learn to give up the need to be right number one. Number two, he said, don't take anything personally. It's not about you. And so when they are expressing something that you think, oh, they called me the N-word. So there's something me, I make it about myself. My reaction is going to be different. Two, there is a power dynamics here. I am threatening to this person in some way. Now, is that threat because I have um, come to them and tried to attack them? Because if I'm just doing all the times I ha- someone has used the N-word to me, I've not been doing anything. I've been walking down the street or whatever. I'm no threat to them. But my being, my existence is a threat to them. So it's not Kendi who's threatening them. It's something that I represent that they are fearful of. Now, is that a my problem or is that a their problem? Do you see what I mean? So I think even within the organization, when it comes to thinking about the language that we use, I don't think it matters that much because then what we, we are likely to do is to fall into that thing that we try to escape as PR people, window dressing, being the mouthpiece for the organization, or dare I say, spin doctor. So we don't want to be spinning things. That's not what we want to be. You want to express that which is authentically going on. So what do you do within organizations? Give space for people to express. Because if you don't, it's going to be like a pressure cooker. Then one day it's going to bust. What are you going to do then? So it's difficult. And I know that it is only human that sometimes we will get upset. Sometimes we will feel hard. Sometimes we will feel all of those things acknowledge them but deal with them as a separate issue to that which is going on here so it's a practice
0: and candy (laughs) i know your students absolutely love you having met some of them what words of wisdom would you give students more broadly in terms of starting out their career (laughs)
1: Well, we talk, we usually talk about so many things to the students and each of each and everyone is unique unto themselves. So what I always say is that when you go to an organization, so going back to that sense of belonging, because even when they come to the university, some of them have have got a lot of self-doubt. I shouldn't be here, so-and-so is better than me, maybe I didn't get the grade that so-and-so got, all their family is like this and I'm like that and blah-de-blah. And I always say remember that the universe has conspired for you to be here. So you have every right to be here, as much right as everybody else. So when you go into an organization, take up space. So that's number one. Number two, relationships are important. And when it comes to building professional relationships the last thing you want to do is to just build relationships with the people you think can help you to get where you want to go because that can really limit you So build relationships and be respectful and have professional relationships with people from at every level of the organization. So when I joined uh, Kenya Revenue Authority many years ago, I remember it was one lady Um, she was our executive, our executive secretary, Margaret. I still remember Margaret. I owe her so much. And Margaret said to me, she said, it make sure from the cleaner to the security guard, to the drivers, to the secretaries, then to people at the various levels of the organization. Make sure you have contacts at every level of the organization. And do not use seniority to determine who you should befriend or who you should have a relationship with, because a professional relationship with, because sometimes the power lies in people who you wouldn't think. So that was a very important lesson I learned from her as well. Uh, So I think the power of networking um, uh, is important. And then having just being open as well to learning. And so when you get into a place of work, it's not just about you showcasing your skills. It's also you being open to learn. And the more you learn, the more you will progress.
0: I think that's great advice for people of all levels I've met many senior leaders also who have the imposter syndrome and who have have managed to take space but but struggled in doing so so it's it's good to hear that encouragement right from the start there from you candy so thank you candy so much for joining us um, such a fascinating topic and completely relevant to all of us as corporate communicators both internal and external Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me.